Thanks for joining us today. We'd love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So we encourage you to share your story with us at info at fellowshipgj.com or by clicking the Share Your Story tab on the Church Center app. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. And you can do that by clicking on the giving link located in the description below this video, online at fellowshipgj.com. Or if you're a member here at Fellowship Church, you can give through our Church Center app. This will help us continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thank you for joining us today and enjoy today's service. Good morning, church. Welcome. Man, we're excited to worship today. Let's just all take a second and let's posture our hearts and our eyes toward the miracle worker, the one who can. God, we love you. And Holy Spirit, we invite you into this room this morning as we worship you, we praise you, we empty out ourselves unto you this morning, God. We give you everything that we have. And we trust in your ways, we trust in your provision, we trust in your faithfulness. You are a miracle working God. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, church.
Just the mention of his name, just the mention of his name, everything can change, everything can change. It's just the mention of his name, it's just the mention of his name, just the mention of his name, everything can change, everything can change. Come on, we sing. Just the mention of his name. Just the mention of his name. Just the mention of his name. Everything can change. Everything can change. Just the mention of his name.
know we serve a miracle-working God. You know, I was, I think it was Julie had a shirt on the other day and it said, why wait for revival? Revival is here. Amen.
just declared the God of revival is in the room. Are there any of us who need to be revived today? Do you need to be revived physically? Do you need to be revived emotionally? Do you need to be revived spiritually? He's in this place. Jesus, God of revival. Holy Spirit, God of revival. Father, God of revival. Breathe on us. Fill us up to overflowing. I pray for those of us that find themselves in a deep place. Can't breathe. Like your words, Jesus, that, that you reached down from on high and took hold of us and drew us up out of deep waters. Let those souls, those hearts be revived in this moment, God. For those of us that are physically depleted, or hurting, or sick, or in pain. Let those hearts and souls be revived in this moment, Jesus. That even if their bodies won't respond to it, their hearts and their souls will. That God, you, you go between bone and marrow. Your word goes and it's so sharp and it cuts away the things of the enemy and through his attack. And I pray you revive those who need revival, God. Revive the hearts that are sick where hope has been deferred. Revive those hearts today, Jesus. Because we recognize you are here in this room and we praise your name, Jesus. And we declare the name of Jesus over every heartache, over every struggle, over every pain, over every, every single situation in our lives. You are the God of revival. We give you access, God. We give you access to it. So open our eyes to see and our ears to hear what you want us to see, what you want us to hear, because you matter and your name is above all things. So we give it to you, God, and we are open to what you want to show us. God of revival, thank you. Thank you for your revival, Jesus. So, Lord, in your name we say amen. Amen. Give him another shout of praise. He's good. Woo. He wants to revive us today. For those of you in the room, go tell somebody you're revived. You're revived today. Say hello to somebody. For those of you tuning in at home, be revived this morning. We are so happy that you are tuning in with us today. And as you engage and like watch service, let us know. We'd love to know a little bit more about you and how this message is hitting you um, through, throughout the whole service. So respond to us. For those of you at home that are in need of prayer, I want you to know you are not alone. So go ahead and navigate yourself over to our website. There's someone online right now that would love to pray with you. Click that need prayer button over on our website. For those of you that are guests or visitors in the house with us in person or online, we'd love to connect with you and just share a little bit of our story. And we'd love to hear some of your story as well. The easiest way to get on our radar as a guest or visitor is to just get out your smartphones, text the word fellowship to the number 94,000. As soon as you do that, you'll get in contact with a staff member. We'd love to invite you to our guest reception and uh, just be able to hear your story a little bit. If you are in person with us and your guests or visitors, stop by the info center. We'd love to meet you in person, pray with you today, as well as give you a free drink at our coffee shop um, as we just get to learn a little bit about you. 
For those of you that are, maybe you've been attending for quite a while, and you're just in that place where you need to know, I have a next step. There's something more God wants for me in my relationship with him. There's always a place for someone to serve or to grow um, or, or to honestly express their um, their relationship outwardly here in the church. If you are wanting some practicals on how to get into that next step, drop by the East End Pergola and our Next Steps team. We'd love to be able to help you out for that. As we continue the worship of our great God through the giving of tithes and offerings, um, a story comes to mind. Yesterday I was at a birthday party for a one-year-old. And those are just fun. Birthday parties for one-year-olds. The one-year-old will never remember it, but every year their family will show them a picture of what they look like on their first birthday. But it was so great because at this one-year-old's birthday party, there was this really awesome cake that they made for the one-year-old. And the cake was like, I mean, it, it looked like a lawn. It, it looked like, it, like literal grass. It was green. It was so cool. It was an awesome cake. And they set it down in front of the one-year-old. And the one-year-old looked at it like, I don't trust things that are green. Because probably like, it's like peas and things like that are, are associated with the taste of green things. And I identify as a one-year-old in this department. Kale doesn't taste like icing. It doesn't. But when the, the father, he, he, he scooped up some icing and put it on the, the kid's mouth, like his world changed. His view of the color green was way different after that. And, and I'm sure, you know, maybe today he's going to eat some vegetables, but he was tearing into that cake within minutes. And I just think it's interesting that our view of God can really impact how we live life too. If we see God as a generous God, giving can feel light. It can feel easy. And we see him as that. We know that it doesn't matter. <laughs> like, he's going to take care of me as I give. If we see God as something different than a generous God, it can be hard to give. And there could be a lot of weight to that. So I want to encourage you today, if you're in financial stress or if you're just in a place where um, God is maybe challenging you um, in your view of him, see him as that generous giver because that's who he is. A mark of Jesus' walk on earth is one of generosity. And so we can follow him in that by seeing our view of him as a generous, generous God. Now, there's a lot of ways to give here at Fellowship. We have the offering boxes in the lobby, Church Center app as well. But for everybody that's in need this morning, I want to just pray a prayer of blessing over everyone. Jesus, thank you, God, for being generous. Generous with your love. Generous with your healing. Generous, God, with your presence. And Lord, thank you for being generous in your provision for us. So Father, for every offering, for every gift that's coming in, I pray you bless that. Bless those hearts that are giving, God. And, and anyone who's in need financially, I pray that they can see you and, and that, Lord, you can show up as a generous giver. Lord, we love you and we thank you, Jesus. It's in your heavenly name. Amen. All right, there's a lot of different things going on here at Fellowship Church. Here are a few of them. On Wednesday, May 24th at 1130, we are holding another women's luncheon. The topic of this one will be on Jonathan Kahn's Return of the Gods. There will be a video teaching, connection, discussion, as well as lunch. So if you are interested, you can sign up on the Church Center app. If you would consider yourself to be new to Fellowship Church, we are so glad that you are here. You are so welcome. If you have some questions or are interested in touring the facility, meeting some staff, guest reception is a perfect next step for you. We're holding one on May 21st, that's a Sunday, in between the 9 and the 11 o'clock service. Your entire family is invited. There will be a continental breakfast and we'll answer all of your questions, give you a tour of the facility, as well as help you figure out what your next steps might look like. Please sign up. If you're interested, you can go out to the information counter after service and get more information, and we hope to see you there.
ShareFest 2023 took place last week and we are amazed on how each of you guys showed up to help make a positive impact in our community. Over 42 projects were adopted as well as over 160 volunteers came out to show the love of Christ to our community in such a practical way. They did yard work, turned on swamp coolers, helped the elderly, the disabled, as well as the widows in our valley. And we are so thankful for it because again, it just showed God's love. So if you were involved we want to say thank you and we want to encourage you next year to help us out again to see what God can do. When you drop your second through fifth grade students off every single Sunday to Kids Church, we want you to know that we do some cool things back there. Besides just playing on our awesome kids castle, besides just playing really fun games, we also teach your kids a ton about Jesus. Every week there's a new Bible teaching, there's a memory verse that they're learning, they're doing worship songs and learning how to pray in altar call moments. It is so powerful and so cool to see how much your kids love Jesus. And today you're going to have an example of that. You can now tell we're bringing in our second through fifth grade students and they're going to come in and do a worship song for you. Now worship is a little different in kids church. We like to do lots of dance moves and choreography to help praise Jesus. And I think it might be one of his favorite things in this world, as well as they are going to do a memory verse for you, which they have been working on these last couple months. You'll notice with the memory verses too, we do motions and actions along to help the kids memorize what they are learning and we're so excited and so proud to present to you this morning our second through fifth grade kids church students okay are you ready okay. Joshua
initiative. Congratulations, boys and girls. You can head back to class. We want you all to know that every time you are in adult service, our kids are in the back in the West Building, and no matter what their age is, they are learning about Jesus. These kids have actually memorized every book of the Bible and can recite them in order. They memorize a different Bible verse every single week. They have a sermon every week with illustrations and all the stuff to help make sure that they're able to comprehend it and apply it to their own lives. These kids worship every week. They um, sing those songs or songs like them. They also have slow worship. They call them slow jams where they get down on their knees, they lift up their hands, they close their eyes, and they learn what it means to talk into Jesus. And the, the green team that we have back in the back ministering to them, loving on them, spending time with them, absolutely are investing in them to make sure that they grow up to love and serve Jesus. And it is unbelievable. All the time I will be talking to someone and they'll have gone to our church for years. And I'll say, have you ever seen our kids building? And they'll go, nah, we don't have kids. But I'm telling you, no matter what stage of life you're in, this is something that you can be extremely proud of. The Bible tells us if we train up a child in the way that he should go, that when he's old, he won't depart from it. And so the goal is that we would reach every one of these kids with the love of Jesus and help their lives and their families' lives be permanently changed. Well, this morning, besides that amazing treat, we also have Pastor Hooper coming to continue in our Chosen series. I saw this article that uh, went something like this. It was titled, How Not to Annoy Your Spouse. And the article was really written for those of us who've been married for a long period of time. We've been in a relationship for a while. And so I thought it was interesting. Now, for Ann and I, we've been um, uh, best friends since high school. If you would, turn down the platform monitors for me a minute, if you would. Just turn them all the way down. And uh, so that's 48 years of being best friends. 46 of those years, uh, we just celebrated being married. So we know each other quite well. And we are in this season of our life. Yeah, we are in this season of our life spending a lot more time together. Now, uh, that can be good. <laughs> A guy in the front row said, poor Anna. I'd call security, but he is security, so that's a problem. So, so I, I thought, well, I, I'm going I'm to read this article, but, but, but you guys need to know something. We are together quite a bit, and we start our day off just about the same way uh, every day, and we have for years and years and years. Well, I wake up chirpy, you know what I mean? I mean, I wake up, hey, good morning, how you doing, how was your night? And she wakes up going, shh, right? So we will separate first thing in the morning. We'll get our coffee. We'll go to different places in the, in the house. And she will normally start her day off, you know, reading a book of the Bible. One of the books of the Bible, chapter by chapter, she wants to go through. And she's gone through many of them. 
And I'll start my day off still reading one of the Psalms. I used to read the Psalms and the Proverbs, uh, but now I just read one of the Psalms, and then I'll go and do some research, some message research, things like that. And um, then, I mean, we literally, we don't talk to each other. We don't say good morning to each other. We don't have any contact with each other until we have spent time doing what we call coffee with God. And then we pray for our family. We pray for uh, you guys. We pray for our staff members and their families by name. We pray for our church family. Anybody that Anna has seen on Facebook that needs specific prayer, uh, we'll mention you in prayer. Anybody we hear about or I hear about through the offices, uh, we'll pray for you. We'll do that, and then we'll, we'll get right on into our day. Now, after all these years, I still think she's incredibly beautiful, and she is so, so smart. And after all these years, she still thinks I'm funny. So that's something, right? So anyway, I was talking to her about this article. I said, babe, I said, um, uh, the article says that what we should do every once in a while is that we should ask each other, have we picked up any annoying habits? Something that you see that I'm doing that bothers you, something that you're doing that maybe bothers me, we should ask each other, hey, is there anything we're doing that bothers each other? And so I asked her that. I said, honey, is there anything that I'm doing that bothers you, uh, that annoys you? And she goes, mm, no, you're okay. Well, see, I'm real perceptive and I can read a room, so I said to her, I said, no, you can tell me. Really, if there's something I'm doing that bothers you, I want to stop. So tell me, it won't hurt my feelings. She said, it will hurt your feelings. I said, I promise you I won't get my feelings hurt. Just tell me. So she told me, and I did get my feelings hurt. <laughs> but to my credit, it wasn't until about eight minutes into her PowerPoint presentation. Okay, so the PowerPoint presentation, I'm kidding about that. But the truth of the matter is there's a lot of things that we can't see till we see it. There's a lot of things that we don't know until somebody explains it to us. There's a lot of issues in our life where we could use a little bit more clarity that we might be able to make better decisions. Well, that's what Jesus specialized in. The Bible says there are many incidents where Jesus healed the blind, and we don't really know how many he healed. Uh, in Matthew chapter 15, the Bible says there was a large crowd that came to Jesus. Many of those people were blind. He healed them all. Matthew 21, a few chapters later, another large crowd comes to Jesus. The Bible says there are lots of blind people there, but Jesus healed them all. And we don't know all the specific stories. John chapter 20, verse 30, on the side screen, the disciples saw Jesus do many other miraculous signs in addition to the ones recorded in this book. But these are written, the ones we have, are written so that you can continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have uh, uh, life by the power of his name. So we don't have each one of these specifically written out in the Bible, uh, but we do know that each one of them have a story behind it. Each one is an individual. Each one, there is a miraculous healing. Well, in the series called The Chosen, there is one particular blind woman by the name of Shula who has a friend by the name of Barnaby who's kind of like her best friend but also her guide to get her around. And, um, and it depicts this story, this little clip depicts maybe what some of those other healings of clarity being given, being able to see what you hadn't seen before uh, by Jesus. Take a look. Do you have faith that I can heal you? Of course. Then why haven't you asked? 
You, you have so much to do, Rabbi. So many people need you more. I'm... I'm used to this. Shula, look at me. Look at you? I can't see you anyway. I want to see your face. You and Barnaby have been so kind and lovely from the first time I met you. And your faith has been so strong, even though you haven't seen a miracle. You redeemed my friend. Mary's miracle was so clear to me, I didn't need sight. I know. You see better than most in this region. But since your friend Barnaby here won't leave me alone, <laughs> Shula said, I can see you are not as handsome as you said. <laughs> Clarity. Well, there are eight, there are eight specific occasions where specific individuals were mentioned in the Bible that Jesus healed the blindness. And a couple of them that you might remember from Bible teaching over the years is John chapter 9, where Jesus spit on the ground. Remember this? He took some saliva and some dirt from the ground. He turned it into mud. And then he smeared that mud on a man's eyes, and then he told that man to go wash his face. Remember that? Now think about that for a minute. The man's eyes were a mess, and Jesus made him a bigger mess. No, I'm just saying what people are thinking. Jesus could have healed him any way he wanted to, but he spit on the ground. He put saliva with mud where dirt, the man where it originally came from, saliva, Jesus' DNA, by the way, in case you missed that. And then he tells the man, now I have done everything that you need to do, basically, for your healing to take place. Now you put some skin in the game. You believe enough to go wash yourself. Isn't that interesting? 
Another situation similar to this is Matthew or Mark chapter 8, verse 23. Take a look at this one on the side screen. It's worth reading. When they arrived at Bethsaida, some people brought a blind man to Jesus, and they begged him to touch the man and heal him. Jesus took the blind man by the hand, led him out of the village, then spitting on the man's eyes. Here's spit in your eyes, right? Have to be a certain age to understand what I just said. Here's spit in your eyes. He laid his hand on the man and asked, can you see anything? The man looked around. Yes, he said, I see people, but I can't see them very clearly. They look like trees walking around. Then Jesus placed his hands on the man's eyes again, and his eyes were opened. His sight was completely restored, and he could see everything clearly. One touch, and he could see. Another touch and he could see clearly. Here's an interesting note. All throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, you'll see people uh, performing miracles. But nowhere in the Bible does it say that any of the disciples or anybody else in the Bible ever healed one person from blindness. Jesus is the only one that's credited with healing blind people in the Bible. And that is, I believe, because it parallels the fact that only Jesus can turn darkness into light from a spiritual standpoint, allowing you to see what you've never seen before. That's on Jesus. You see this as 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. The Bible says that is what the Scripture means when it says, No eye has seen and no ear has heard and no mind has imagined what God has prepared uh, for those who love him. Now, the next verse, but, but, it was to us that God revealed those things by his spirit. And his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. Look at that. Only Jesus can turn the light on. See, God gives insight and God gives dreams and God gives clarity and God gives vision. Take a look at this quote on the side screen. The poorest person in the room is not the person who has no money. The poorest person in the room is the person who has no vision. And one of the greatest gifts that you will ever receive from your Heavenly Father is the gift of clarity. To be able to see today what you haven't been able to see in the past. To be able to look at a situation at the workplace or to be able to look at a situation in your family and to be able to see not just to the end of the path but over the path by the eyes of faith. Not just up to the top of the hill but to see over that hill. You see to the top of the hill with your eyes, you see over the hill with your heart. And when God finally opens your eyes up to things that have been confusing to you for a very long time, it is an incredible gift. The highest form of compensation is not finances. The highest form of compensation is fulfillment. When you can wake up every day and look in the mirror and like who you see and like what you're doing in this life and like who you are doing this life with, clarity, 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 it is so important. And that is why the enemy is constantly trying to mess with your clarity by mixing up your mind with confusion. On the side screen again, if the enemy can't get you to be corrupt, his next step is to get you to be unclear. Confusion is really an expression of spiritual warfare. Confusion is a weapon that the enemy constantly uses against your life. And he does so because you have a calling. 
A calling means you have a reason to be in this time and in this place and in this space. And whatever that is in your life, the enemy wants to confuse you to make you think it's not from God, it's for somebody else, it is not something that you have the ability to be able to accomplish or to even reach for. So your calling in this life, meaning who you're supposed to be as a husband, as a wife, as a mother, a father, at the workplace, and serving your heavenly father, whatever it might be, the enemy is going to fight you with a weapon of being confused, or listen, or being unclear. And this is what he'll use. He'll use individuals, take a look, to confuse you. He will use other individuals to confuse you. People who will impose their unsolicited opinions into your life. It might be a brother-in-law, a sister-in-law, a father-in-law, a mother-in-law. It might be your own mom or your own dad. It doesn't make any difference. Your calling was not a conference call. And nobody else was involved in it. So nobody else can speak into your life on what you are supposed to be doing with your life. It comes straight from your heavenly Father. And other individuals will only confuse you and make you unclear. Here's another one. He will use emotional injuries to confuse you. Failure that attacked and affected your and infected your confidence. You see, some of you might have survived the failure but your confidence didn't. That's why John 10, 10, Jesus tells us that the thief's job on this earth, your enemy's job is to kill, steal, and destroy. Now, it means that, that, means that he's not always out to kill you. He's sometimes just trying to steal from you. He'll let you go through an injury, a damage in this life that will steal your confidence, that will steal your self-worth, will steal your hope, will steal your future, and will steal your dreams. Here's another one he will use against you to confuse you, to make you unclear. Uh, he'll use the culture that you and I are living in today to confuse you. And today we have a new term called gender confusion. Gender confusion. Uh, how could that be? I mean, didn't we learn these things in kindergarten? Y'all remember? In kindergarten when you were learning how to spell it, you learned that one plus one is Two, that's still true today, isn't it? And in kindergarten, your teacher probably stood before you as a class and said, boys and girls up here on the board, I've written a word. The word is boys. Everybody spell it. B-O-Y-S, boys. Boys, if you see that sign on a door, that is your bathroom. You go to the boys' bathroom if you are a boy. Now, over here, we have the word Girl, G-R-I, I misspelled that, G, G, at my age, I'm spelling grill and not girl, isn't that, what does that say? I don't even know what that means, all right, so that, so we got G-I-R-L-S, girls, if you are a girl, you go in the girls' bathroom, now girls don't go in the boys' bathroom, and boys don't go in the girls' bathroom. <laughs> and, and, and if there's confusion about that, when you get out of the shower, look into the mirror. And if you have boy parts, you are a boy. And if you have girl parts, then you are a girl. 
And the confusion, watch this, does not take place from here to here. That's clear. The confusion is taking place here. Now, with every other issue, when there is an adult who is confused here, we educate it or we treat it, but we don't legislate for it. You say, Pastor, why are you talking about that topic today? Well, one of two reasons. Number one, because I love our church family, and we need to educate families, and I love the kids that are up here on the platform, and somebody needs to speak truth into their life when they're hearing all this other confusion, or I have hit the age where I no longer have a filter. <laughs> one of the two, I don't know what it is. You figure it out. But the Bible says that God is not the author of confusion. Wait a minute. Let me say that again. It is in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 33. God is not the author of confusion. So if there is confusion on such a simple matter as what I just mentioned, where is that confusion coming from? And why should it be given the time of day? Ooh, that's good right there. I I can just go home now. I don't even need to keep going. <laughs> but have you ever wondered why the enemy's messing with you in the first place? Why is he trying to confuse you? Why is he trying to make your life unclear when it comes to certain things in your family, your job, your work, your finances, your money? I mean, right here in Grand Junction, Colorado, what are we going to do? I mean, what kind of big threat are we to the enemy? He's got a whole world that he can mess with. Why is he messing with you over in Clifton? Why is he bothering you and your family? One reason could be because you are a part of a church that has seen hundreds upon hundreds of people accept Christ as a personal Savior. He, you are a part of something that is reaching not just this valley, but way, way, way beyond this valley, even online, but we don't even know how far out it's stretching, and you're involved in it, you're investing in it, and you're serving your Heavenly Father in it. Now, here's what I'm trying to say. Many times the enemy's not messing with you because of your dream. The enemy's messing with you because of the dream that you have God put in you. Now, you may not have seen it that way. But we go all the way back to Genesis chapter 37 and verse 50 where we see the story of Joseph, one of 12 brothers. And if you'll remember his story, his dad liked him better than the rest, gave him this colorful coat. Remember that? His brothers were jealous, threw him in a pit, took his coat off of him, smeared blood of an animal all over it, took it back to his dad and said, you know, maybe an animal killed. Well, let him believe an animal killed his son. And so all this is going on. But what caused the jealousy and what caused the problem, watch this, was a dream that Joseph had when he was 17 years old. And out of his youth and immaturity, he shared that dream verbally too quickly to the wrong people. And jealousy rose up, and the brothers saw it. We don't even want you around. Because the dream had to do with all 11 of his brothers standing before him with him exerting authority over his brothers, even his oldest brothers. And they didn't like that. Now, now think about this. The announcement of the dream happened, and it was God's dream in his life, and this is, where you got, this is where we'll add clarity to the end of the service, whether or not it's God's or yours. It's God's dream in his life at 17, but it did not, that's where the announcement took place, did not come to fruition or fulfillment until he was 40. So the dream's given at 17. Watch this. It wasn't fulfilled till it, he was 40. And there's that tough time right there in the middle to where the dream starts, 
to where the fulfillment takes place, and every one of us are walking in some stage of that right now in our life. I, uh, several months ago, Ann and I were talking about Tim behind his back, Pastor Tim, and uh, we like talking about him behind his back. It's fun. And so I called him into my office, and I said, Tim, I said, uh, I, I want to ask you something. I want you to become the co-senior pastor of Fellowship Church. I want you to take on the responsibility of the entire weekend program, from the nursery to the security to everything that happens when people walk on this property, the temperature in this room, the sound, the lighting, all of it, the program, the teachers, the material, everything that is happening, I want it to be under you as a leader. I also want you to lead the day-to-day -day ministry operations of Fellowship Church as the co-pastor. And he said, I would be honored. And then I said, well, what makes you think you should? That was my question. Because ministry is not a career choice. Ministry is a calling. It is a calling that is given to you by God, and then the Holy Spirit equips you to be able to be gifted for that particular calling. And because this isn't a corporation, there's no ladder to climb in this, in this place. So a person has just moved strategically to another position where their giftings and callings can be used more effectively for God as they work on the skill set behind those callings. And so Tim stepped up, and for the last several months, we have watched him absolutely do an exceptional job here at Fellowship Church. Exceptional. But what about the time in the middle? Tim served alongside of me for 30 years, and this is what I want you to hear. You will have to deal with frustration of wanting something that God will not let you not want, but he will not let you have it now either. Oh, let me read that again. You're going to have to sometimes deal with the frustration of wanting something that God will not let you not want, but he will not let you have it right now either. Wow. So that explains it, doesn't it? It's not like God's going to delete the desire that he put in you if it was his dream, and that's how you know. If it's God's dream, he won't delete the desire just because you haven't reached it yet. He's just not going to let you have it until it's timing for you to let, for him to let you have it. And until then, there is frustration, there is difficulty in the middle of what you know where you should be and where you're not yet. Let me put a pin in that story real quick, take you back to the New Testament, the story of Lazarus. Real quickly, Martha and Mary had sent word to Jesus that Lazarus, the one you love, is dying. And the Bible thinks, that, you know, the fact that Martha and Mary had a relationship with Jesus, they knew where Jesus was. And they thought, well, get the word to him, he'll do an immediate U-turn because we have a relationship with him. He knows something is serious, Jesus will turn around immediately and come back just because of our relationship. And he loves Lazarus. But the Bible says Jesus waited two days and he told his disciples this. He said, what Lazarus is going through will not end in death. Let me read it to you, John 11 and verse 4. But when Jesus heard about it, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death, he said. Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. Now, wait a minute. You ever have a relationship with God and something gets real serious and you think to, him, you think to yourself, God, this is dying. 
Do you not see what's happening here? Do you not know what I'm going through? Do you not see what we are about to lose? And God is like, I see the situation. I just have a different interpretation. So they said, Lazarus is dying. That was their situation. Jesus' interpretation was, he's just leaping. And what he's going through will not end in death. Two days later, he tells the disciples, hey, we're going to go back to Judea, and I'm going to wake up Lazarus. And his disciples said, well, Lord, if he's sleeping, he'll get better on his own. We don't need to go back there. They tried to kill you last time we were back there. And Jesus said, no, no, don't misunderstand. He's dead. And they said, oh, now wait a minute. Did Jesus not just say, did he say, this will not end in death? Is that what he said? But Lazarus died. But wait a minute. He said, this will not end in death. But Lazarus died. Jesus said, this will not end in death. He did not say he wouldn't go through death. So when he gets there, Mary and Martha, by the way, mm, I don't know who this is for, but sometimes God is going to allow you to be buried, completely buried, lose everything, only so the people who watched you get buried will watch God raise you back up and put you back in a better place than you were before you were buried. This is for God's glory. Jesus get there, Mary and Martha, they're ticked, they're mad, they're sad, they're sad, they're mad. And they're women. If you'd have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Well, that's Mary. Martha stays in the house. She's so mad, she ain't going to come out and see him. Mary goes in and said, he's asking for you. Martha comes running out and says, if you'd have been here, they rehearsed this, you know, women, you know. They talked. A little coffee, a little talk. You'd have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And then Jesus looked around, saw Martha weeping, and saw Mary weeping and the mourners weeping and the Bible says the shortest verse in the Bible Jesus wept what a profound verse Jesus the son of God looked at the situation and wept now here's my questions why are you crying you're the reason you're late oh hang on with me for a minute it was his decision not to be there when Lazarus was alive why are you crying you made the, you're why you're late to start with. And number two, you just said you were going to wake him up. So if you're going to wake him up, why are you weeping? And you know what Jesus was doing for us? Like a model of everything else in our life, he was modeling what healthy grief looks like. Because it is perfectly okay when you are here and you are trying to get here to be sad and to be mad in the middle. And one of the ways to get through it in a healthy way so where you don't have trauma triggers in the future going back to it is to weep, to weep through it. So Jesus said to Martha, take me to him. Here you go. Take me to where you buried your dream. Take me to where you laid down your hope. 
Take me to where those years of investment that you made in somebody that you thought was going to make an investment back into you as you got older and they're no longer here. Take me to that place where you quit. You put your future aside. Take me there. Back to the story of Joseph now. We'll pull the pen back out and here we are, the last part of the story. Joseph's brothers are the famine in the land. They come to Joseph. Joseph is the second in charge of the, all the food in Egypt. And 10 of the brothers show up and say, we need food. And, this, and Joseph recognizes them and said, you got another brother? Said, yeah, we do. We left him home with dad. Go get him and bring him. Now watch this. When Joseph was 17, he never let go of that dream that one day 11 would bow before him, not 10. And Joseph wasn't willing to settle for 10 when God told him 11. Clear some things up for you. Your dreams are going to get busted around. You're going to get knocked around and feel like you've been buried and everything that you hope for you might as well just quit on it. Well, then what are you going to do with the rest of your life? That was a God dream. You know how I can tell it was a God dream? He didn't delete your desire for it. You're thinking about it right now. Never let the enemy cause you to settle for less than what God showed you. I dreamed since I was a little girl that I'd have a wonderful marriage. Then go for it. Well, it has sucked for 15 years. Go for it. You still breathing? I went through a divorce. I went through a death of a loved one. I went through financial disaster and the pandemic. I've lost everything. I'm, I'm 55 years old. I don't know. Go for it. Did the desire get deleted? No, then go for it. You got time? You got, you, you're holding on to the hand of the one who can walk you right back to it and bring it back to life. Just take him there. Keep taking him there. Keep taking him there. Would you stand with me? pray a prayer of clarity over you this morning before we leave. I love you all so much and thank you for over the years, about 33 of them, for sharing your stories with us online or in emails or in the lobby or sometimes over coffee somewhere. Thanks for trusting us with your stories. There are people who walk in this room every week and they're desperately hoping for something to be said that would cause them to want to hang on and keep going. If you missed last Sunday's service, you missed one of the best messages I think we've ever had here at Fellowship Church. Pastor Tim brought a message of encouragement, of love, of future, of forgiveness. The soul service was just incredible. And I hope today that you'll allow me to speak some clarity into your life. If it was God's dream, the enemy's going to automatically fight it. 
how he fights it is with confusion. God's not the author of confusion. If you're confused, it's not from God. Lay it aside. If you have lowered your expectations based on competition, based on culture, based on economics, raise your sights. Let it be big enough that God would be involved in it. Go for it. If you have grown children that are walked away from the Lord and now they're in their 30s or 40s or 50s and they're not serving God and you have been praying for them to the point where you have prayer fatigue, don't stop. Don't stop. It's hard in the middle. It's tough in the middle. If you have been bitter, if you have given up, if you have walked away, you've gone through a season of grief and that grieving has lasted too long if you as a woman are saying you had a dream to have a relationship with a man that would be wonderful and now you're making statements to your girlfriends like I don't need no man men are just, I hate men no you don't no you don't if that desire is still there and God's dream for you is not deleted get your mind and your mouth in line with what he said just be clear on it the enemy is not fighting your dream he's fighting God's dream in you and one more picture and I want you to look at me to get it some of you have just stepped out of a room it may be a person that has left your life and needed to Maybe a job change. Maybe a whole family situation has changed. But something has radically changed for you. Watch the picture. You just stepped out of a room. Listen to me. You're not going back in there. But instead of stepping into another room, here's the confusion. You stepped into a hallway. Listen, please. If you just keep going, you will step into God's next for your life. And it will be awesome. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You can do that right now. I just want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Say, dear Jesus, I am a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are Lord, that you died on the cross for my sins and that you rose again. And God, I thank you for that. I'll ask you now to be my savior, to be my guide, and to give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask you this in your precious son, Jesus Christ's name, amen. If you just prayed this prayer for the first time, we would love to celebrate with you. Please text heaven to 94,000 to get in contact with our staff where we can answer any questions you may have. Also, 
If you're in need of prayer, we would love to support you. You can submit your prayer request by texting prayer support to 94000. Our prayer team will receive your request and immediately start covering you. If this was your first time experiencing Fellowship Church, or if you want to learn more about one of our many ministries, you can text fellowship to 94000 to connect with our staff. As always, we are still just a phone call away. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY with any questions. Thanks again. We hope to see you next week in person or online.